This is your time to lit up with Angela Breidenbach. Lit up is lighting up the literary world with book reviews, in-depth expert interviews, and ideas for you to design a lucrative writing career. Expand your imagination to enhance your life. Lit up is always family friendly, always good for your heart. Now here is your host to lit up, Angela Breidenbach. Hi there, this is Angela Breidenbach, and you're with us here today on Lit Up, and I have the pleasure of interviewing a lovely lady named Kathleen Freeman, and that's Kathleen with a K, and she has graciously agreed to come on the show and talk about the in-depth way of creating story details and holistic creativity to support your lucrative creative career. So whether you're a writer, a screenwriter, a musician, it doesn't matter what kind of a creative you are, maybe you're even a painter. The idea behind today's show is how do you describe animals and people behavior and the scenery with segue and into designing these great story details? And I wanted to talk with Kathleen about that because that is something that people ask her to share all the time in her expertise. So, and by the way, she is the writer and creator of Maddie Science on Clubhouse. So we're going to have some links for you in the show notes so that you can look up the Clubhouse magazine and Maddie Science articles and you can experience them yourself. Because not all writers want to write books. Not all writers want to write movies or songs. Sometimes they want to be um, magazine and article and in-depth expose writers. Those kinds of things are just as lucrative if you've designed your career to support yourself. And doing that, it's important to pick up and understand the details. So welcome to Lit Up, Kathleen. Oh, thank you. It's good to be here. Yeah, it's always good to spend time with you. I got to spend time, first of all, we met during writers' uh, conferences and things like that, but the spending time with you at a retreat at your beach house was pretty awesome. That was really special for me too. And it's like when, when you go to your beach house, it's just this place of peace. And I want to encourage other creatives out there to do retreats, to take time out from your regular everyday crazy, because that's where you're going to see some of life slow down where you can start to look at the intimate details of even a seagull landing on the the shore and watching how the feathers work. You know, how do they move their feathers? How do they, what's the sound like getting into those details? So tell me, Kathleen, how did you get into really being able to understand and study animals, animal and people behavior? <laughs> so I have always been interested in, in watching and mm-hmm. listening and learning about the things around me. Um, in fact, uh, people used to say, wow, you have the most unusual way of looking at things. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not sure they meant it as a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> Yesterday I noticed the music on the, we had the, we had um, flooring specialists in laying new flooring. And I made the comment 
the music that they had on. I said, man, that is just great music. That's like from my high school. And he smiled and he says, yeah, all these. <laughs> Another compliment. <laughs> yes, such a compliment. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I'm sorry. Back to you. But I thought compliments sometimes come in very different ways, right? Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> So what did you think when they started complimenting you about your way of observing nature and things around you? Um, I kind of thought, wow, I must be different. (laughs) (laughs) But, you you know, I started thinking, okay, is it bad to actually see the world in an unusual way to, to actually stop and look at things that are going on? Um, to watch animal behaviors, to watch um, scenes, to watch what people are doing. Is that bad? And I started thinking, no, no, because that's where stories come from in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times people try to force stories, and that can work. But I think the best stories come when you just let them unfold in front of you. One time I said that. Uh, aquarium with my mom uh-huh. uh, and she was like Kathleen you need to hurry up um, everyone else is way ahead of you and I told her I'm I'm watching this interaction between an octopus and a crab and she said an interaction between an octopus and a crab and I said, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's fascinating I said this this crab keeps pinching this octopus and trying to get into space. And so she came over and she starts watching and, and pretty soon she's laughing and and loving the interaction between them. And at the end of it, the octopus left and the crab settled into the octopus's space, but only for a few seconds before um, the crab decided that wherever the octopus moved was probably better than this. <laughs> So what you're telling me is crabs are the cats of the undersea world. (laughs) Oh, pretty much. (laughs) Or maybe they're the annoying little brother. (laughs) But that's exactly the way that you can determine characteristics and things like that with with an animal, but by being able to almost humanize it for a story. Um, being able to do that to to turn the crab into a cat or a, a little brother bugging big brother, you know that kind of, or a big brother, you know, picking on the little brother, uh, a sibling always wanting what someone else has, you know, that's not fair. That spot's better, you know. That's a great way to use analogies in stories to be able to help uh, a reader dive in a little bit deeper. Ooh, that was a good pun for the ocean. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's actually exactly what I do for my Maddie Science stories. I humanize all kinds of interesting things. Trees, um, bacteria, clouds, uh, gold, different kinds of things like that. I turn them into like a human character and have them answer questions um, that the the hostess Maddie science has for them. And in that way, that's, that's how I teach um, kids different science things through this. Well, give us a little bit more example. So 
if I were a tree in your story, <laughs> um, what what would that sound like? Um, there would be, say, three trees. Mm-hmm. Um, let's say an apple tree, um, some kind of evergreen tree, and um, I can't remember what the third kind of tree I used was. Um, but she would ask them questions about how they they help the environment, how they um, Maddie they, would ask them. Maddie's asking the questions of the Maddie trees. Maddie asks the questions of the trees, and the trees answer her questions, telling how they're different, how they're the same, um, little quirks that they have, and just totally humanizing these these trees. That's really cool. So if you were to if, if you were to humanize um, a goose, <laughs> tell me a story of a goose. Oh, oh, I have a good goose story actually. <laughs> um, we have this farm goose that hangs around the the beach house, and it has been for for years. I don't know if it it was abandoned or what its story was, but. Um, it started hanging out with the Canada geese that, that came for, for springtime. And then every winter it would be sad because it wouldn't be able to fly away with them. It would it honk out its misery in, in the sound um, while all of the other geese were gone. Well, one winter something terrible happened to one of the geese. I don't know what, um, but its its wing got totally mangled. I don't know if something bit it or it got caught somewhere or, or what, um, but it wasn't able to, to fly fly south with the other geese that winter. And so it had to stay with this, this farm goose. And love found them. <laughs> <laughs> and come spring, there were several little babies that were combinations of, of the two that were, that were hatched. Oh my goodness! I they, know they look different and and everything. Yep, all of them have orange feet, and um, like two of them look like Canada geese that were bleached, and <laughs> <laughs> and a couple look like uh, farm geese that that have some extra wild characteristics. Um, it's interesting how DNA works. You know, not everybody inherits the same thing, and learning in genealogy that uh, your true total sibling could be completely different um, DNA lineage than you. And it looks um, like it works with geese. Yes, <laughs> totally. I can imagine using that in a story to explain the differences in, in siblings. You know, that that's really, really cool. Um, we are going to have to go to break. But I wanted to make sure people knew how to find you. So where is your website, Kathleen? Uh, my website is www.findinghopeinhardtimes.com. Oh, thank you. And my website, if you want to learn more about me, is AngelaBreidenbach.com, spelled B-R-E-I-D-E-N-B-A-C-H. And when we come back after the break, we're going to talk a little bit more about how to humanize objects and animals and people in your stories so that you get the depth behind it and the interest level in your reader. And Kathleen Freeman is our guest today, and you can find her website at 
findinghopeinhardtimes.com. So um, also social media, one real quick social media link. Um, I'm just on Facebook and okay. uh, Pinterest. Under uh, Kathleen Freeman? Under Kathleen Freeman. Awesome. We'll be back right after the break with Kathleen Freeman. All right, thank you. Right where you are, there's more lit up right after this. Have you heard? The pages of American Patchwork and Quilting magazine come to life on our new weekly online radio show, American Patchwork and Quilting. Join Pat Sloan, our blogging and quilt designer host, as she talks about the latest trends, ideas, and inspirations. Her guests include quilt pattern designers, authors, quilt shop owners, and our editors. All quilters, just like you. Call in with your questions. Get quilting tips from industry experts. Learn about free patterns. Hear behind-the-scenes stories from our magazines, American Patchwork and Quilting, Quilt Sampler, and Quilts and More. Get the scoop on free stuff and find out more about the best independent quilt shops in North America. To listen to a live show, tune in Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern. Just log on to allpeoplequilt.com slash radio. To hear past shows, go to iTunes and search for American Patchwork and Quilting Radio. We hope you'll join us because we know that quilting changes everything. Get ready to live la bella vita with Dawn Catherine on Toginet.com. Live la bella vita. If you're wanting to know all the beauty tricks of the trade and the latest fashion trends before everyone else, this is your show. If you admire celebrities' beauty and their fashion sense, this is your show. Do you love wine and want to know more about the process it takes to make wine from the vine to the bottle? This is your show. Live la bella vita. For more on the show and your host, check out our website, labellavitacosmetico.com. This is the kind of show you can sink your teeth into. If you enjoy traveling and food and family, all with an Italian flair, then you can live La Bella Vita with your host, Dawn Catherine. Wednesday nights at midnight, 11 p.m. Central, on toginet.com. back for more Lit Up. Now here's your host, Angela Breidenbach. Well, hi everybody. I am so excited to be able to share my friend Kathleen with you. And we have had many in-depth talks while we were at a retreat together. And we're going to get into in the next segment after this, designing great retreats. But right now, I wanted to make sure that you had a real in-depth understanding of how to describe animals and the behavior and the scenery so that you can write a book that captures the imagination of your reader. So Kathleen, could you take it away and just teach us how to describe these things? Okay. Um, I tend to be a little bit of a quirky person. (laughs) That's why I love you. (laughs) And, um, what I do is I, I notice different sounds that creatures make, different actions that that they they do, um, and how they interact with with others. Um, say for example, uh, the goose again mm-hmm. that um, that was kind of left behind. It sounds that it made were were I'm so sad. 
I'm so alone. So alone. <laughs> and it, um, it kind of struck me that, wow, geese get lonely just like people get lonely. And as I said, it's, it sounds, it told me so. And it would swim around um, kind of looking for something the same way that we some, sometimes swim around looking for, for something. And so you have a bunch of geese and they're, they're sitting out in the water if you watch them very carefully, you can see all the different uh, character traits. You might have one that's it's kind of aggressive and think that it's it's the, the head boss, the, the honcho. And it might decide that everyone needed to follow it. And if if one of the, the geese decided that, that it was going to be the, the leader, that leader might bite the, the other goose and, and the rear end over and over again until it knew its place. <laughs> um, or um, you might have one that that leads, say, a bunch of geese to your dock so that it can they can all poop on your dock all night. <laughs> <laughs> um, Every one of these sounds like kind of a good analogy that uh, characters could actually have in dialogue. You know, you could have a, a mentor character looking at the the other person saying, saying, no, no, let's let's take a look. Look out there. What do you see? You know, and you can see the, you know, maybe the, the other character is feeling beat up at work where people are always, you know, biting their butt. <laughs> but, yep. You know, and they're trying to establish their hierarchy, their order. Mm-hmm. You can actually use that as a really good example of somebody who's feeling, you know, beat up and use that to help the reader understand uh, visually and internally what that feels like. Absolutely. That's, that's exactly what Jesus did with parables. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the reason, the big reason why I believe in the power of story, because um, that's what they are. If you walk up to somebody and say, you're being a jerk, um, and I feel like you are you're um, purposely causing trouble and pain for me. They will probably get defensive and go, huh, "Not me. I'm I'm not. I'm not. I'm perfect for you. <laughs> yeah, I'm perfect." Whereas if you give them the analogy of of the the geese and um, the the butt biting, <laughs> and say, "Well, I." I feel like that goose sometimes. Then they might stop and think. I don't know. Yeah, no, that's actually a really good idea because a long time ago I was listening to, I want to say it was Focus on the Family, um, and they were talking about using imagery to speak even with your spouse, you know. And so, shh, don't tell. Nobody tell, okay? But... (laughs) I used that when I was trying to explain a difficult situation with my to my husband where we were just clashing on a topic constantly and we could not find our way through it. So instead of um, just yelling and screaming and arguing about it, I remembered the idea of painting a word picture, 
which is really what you're doing with animals and and setting and you know behavior and things like this you're painting a word picture that helps them comprehend what's going on and in my case my husband's favorite sport is football and so what i did was i used the analogy of different teams and when what he was doing was offending me, but he didn't realize it. He truly didn't realize it. And I couldn't get it across because he didn't understand what I was saying. And so I said, you know what? When you do that, it's like you are the quarterback for your team and I'm on your team. And then you throw the ball to the other team and they run in for a touchdown. And he was like, oh my gosh. Now I understand what you're saying to me because it was a word picture that fit in his language and in his experience of being in the world. So what what you're saying and what you're teaching here is exactly that. We're looking for ways to use animals and other people behavior and scenery observation of that stuff to create these beautiful in-depth word pictures, right? Absolutely. And and with scenery, it's it's like poetry. Um, some people have said, you're a poet, and I'm not a poet, um, but I, I like to look at things carefully. Mm-hmm. And so, for example, I see seaweed on, the, on the, the surface of the water, and everyone assumes that, that seaweed is, is just this, this green goo that, that floats along on the surface. But if you pay attention, you'll see that, that seaweed has its different moods, too. Sometimes it's, it's very crisp-looking and perfect. Other times it looks like... Um, cooked spinach? <laughs> like spinach, yes, exactly, like cooked spinach. And other times, when it's been sitting in the water for quite some time, it may even look like uh, plastic bags. Oh. And, and things like that help you see the season and help you see the world in a way that um, that's unusual. And if your stories have the, that bit of unusual in them, um, it makes them more real, more real to the, the reader. And I think it helps if you take those, like you said, seasons and you use that in your description to show mood. So oh, you know, the the go-to one for everybody is that you're sad, so it's raining outside. Uh-huh. You know, and that's a really easy one to understand. But, you know, what other ways do you think you could show mood? You know, you just e- explained the seasons of, of seaweed, you know, uh-huh. so it doesn't have to be raining. You could be walking along the beach and you're sad, and but you don't want to have a beach and a seaweed story if your character's at the mountains, you know. Uh-huh. So your setting has to reflect, and the analogies that you use, has to reflect the place and time that your character's at. So, you know, seaweed has seasons. um, But what if you're in the depth of winter and someone is super happy? You know, what kind of a setting would you see that would give you... Uh, you know, a mood that would set a mood in a story. Uh, the dead of winter is, is something I'm very familiar with in Seattle as, as well as rain. Uh, but there's a lot of times that winter isn't 
as cold or dark or unpleasant as, as people see it being. Um, say, for example, you, you just had a snow mm-hmm. and the sky clears, um, the, the sun is, is shining off the snow, making it sparkle. The sky is the bluest that you've ever seen. And there is your mood right there. You have the, the crystals just shining and the blue skies. Whereas if, if you're in a, a bad mood, you can, you can certainly have it be overcast and dark and, and, dim at even 12 o'clock in the afternoon. Um, and that sets the mood too, as well as the animals around you. You might have a, a bird that's, that's chirping in that lonely kind of way. You might have a flagpole that has the, the chain clunking against it. And all of those set a very lonely kind of mood. Yeah, that's true. When it's and even if you see a lone deer who's looking haggard and you know trying to get through heavy snow, even if it's sunshine, you know it, it could be sunshine out and the snow is sparkling all around, and you can juxtapose, juxtapose. <laughs> you can do the opposite. You can yeah. use a bright sparkling snow with a deer trying to push its way through or try to find food and it's getting very, very thin and haggard looking. So you can use equal or you can use opposite in the setting in order to um, help a person understand how the the world is. This works really, really well if you've experienced grief. Sometimes the world around you is going on and there's joyous celebrations. Uh, Christmas is a fabulous joyous celebration unless you've just lost someone. And then the world is celebrating around you and you're missing this person. And so you can use like that setting of opposites of everything going around you. And all you can see is, is that everybody's happy, but you, you know? Oh yeah. I use that, I've used that actually in, in a couple of different stories about loss, um, mm-hmm. where everything is beautiful, people are laughing, uh, the sky is blue, it's a perfect day, and yet inside the character feels empty and lonely and just terrible. And yeah. It brings it out even more. It does. It's amazing how, you know, putting something against an opposite can really show and setting really builds into that for you. I think it's a very important thing. Kathleen, we have just 30 seconds left before we go into break. Can you tell us your website again? Um, www.findinghopeinhardtimes.com. And I hope that you'll go and check out her website because she has some great ideas to share. Stay right where you are. There's more Lit Up right after this. Have you heard? The pages of American Patchwork and Quilting magazine come to life on our new weekly online radio show, American Patchwork and Quilting. Join Pat Sloan, our blogging and quilt designer host, as she talks about the latest trends, ideas, and inspirations. Her guests include quilt pattern designers, authors, quilt shop owners, and our editors, all quilters just like you. Call in with your questions. 
Get quilting tips from industry experts. Learn about free patterns. Hear behind-the-scenes stories from our magazines, American Patchwork and Quilting, Quilt Sampler, and Quilts and More. Get the scoop on free stuff and find out more about the best independent quilt shops in North America. To listen to a live show, tune in Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern. Just log on to allpeoplequilt.com slash radio. To hear past shows, go to iTunes and search for American Patchwork and Quilting Radio. We hope you'll join us because we know that quilting changes everything. Get ready to live la bella vita with Dawn Catherine on toginet.com. Live la bella vita. If you're wanting to know all the beauty tricks of the trade and the latest fashion trends before everyone else, this is your show. If you admire celebrities' beauty and their fashion sense, this is your show. Do you love wine and want to know more about the process it takes to make wine from the vine to the bottle? This is your show. Live la bella vita. For more on the show and your host, check out our website, labellavitacosmetico.com. This is the kind of show you can sink your teeth into. If you enjoy traveling and food and family, all with an Italian flair, then you can live La Bella Vita with your host, Dawn Catherine. Wednesday nights at midnight, 11 p.m. Central on toginet.com. We're glad you're back for more Lit Up. Now here's your host, Angela Breidenbach. Well, I am so glad to have Kathleen here with us. And it's been a great show so far because we've talked a lot about how to use setting and um, animal behavior to be able to understand how to set a mood or create an in-depth story that goes deeper than just the surface so it touches the reader's heart. But I want to talk a little bit, too, about how to create a way to delve into your curiosity. So, Kathleen, you did that with me a little bit at your retreat at your beach house. Can um, Tell me what thought processes go into that and how somebody can do that anywhere, wherever they are. Um, it's, it's actually pretty easy for me because I'm an introvert, and introverts are actually not supposed to be jazzed by their environment, but I totally <laughs> am. Um, in fact, my environment is one of my escapes. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm feeling overwhelmed or something, um, by all the things that I have to do, all the things that I'm doing, I will take a moment to stop, um, pray, um, mm-hmm. stare at whatever catches my attention because I have ADD too. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a writer thing. I gotta be I honest. I think it is too. Every writer I have talked to, when we start talking about our curiosities and how we are wired everybody says the same thing. And I think it's just, it's in your DNA as a writer to be a little ADD. And I think uh, we laugh about it, but the reality is we are so curious that it's that squirrel syndrome, you know, squirrel, ooh, I gotta watch it, you know. But that's exactly it. Yeah, and I went to visit one of my friends yesterday because the flooring was being put in, in my house. And I needed a place where I could do a, a big Skype event over into uh, CBA's Unite, where they were doing the author boot camp, and I needed a quiet place without pounding and sawing going on. 
And so while I was there at her house, I did the event. And right afterwards, she said, come here, come here. And I was like, oh, what, what? She's like, there's this little squirrel. And I'm like, oh, squirrel. <laughs> so we, we go running over to the window and this little squirrel's twitching his tail and he's looking at a pine cone and then he decides to race up the tree. Another squirrel comes over and the tails start going wild, just wildly twitching at each other. And I had been watching a show before where they described animal behavior as the tail twitching was you're in my territory. And I thought, this is fascinating. And so we ended up watching those little squirrels for like 10, 15 minutes. They were entertaining, but there was a conversation going on with Julie, my friend and I about how these squirrels were behaving and what that meant in the big world around us. And the little one that came up next, she says, you know, I think there's something going on with that little guy because his tail seems scrawnier than the other squirrel's tail. I wonder what trouble he's been in. And you start to get so curious about the life of a squirrel that you have never met. (laughs) (laughs) That happens to me all the time, (laughs) all the time. I will guarantee you that shows up in a book later. I don't know how and why, but it's going to be something that describes how some life is going on within a character. Maybe she sees a downtrodden um, person and she feels like they look like that, you know, that little squirrel that's been through some difficulties and she wants to help them fluff up their tail. I don't know. (laughs) That's beautiful. I love it. But it's, it's a way to, you know, to do that. But, you know, what What do you think you do that helps to not only encourage your curiosity, but to help your curiosity flourish? How, do, how could listeners help their curiosity flourish? Um, stop. Stop. Look. Listen. Like even yesterday, I was, I was doing a bunch of yard work, and I would get tired for a moment, and... A lot of times I will just force myself to go on, mm-hmm. but it's better for me to stop and look around at that point in time. I'm having a weird deja vu. Interesting. Um, I'll, I'll stop and I'll look around at, at whatever might catch my attention, a bird flying, a squirrel, <laughs> <laughs> um, the way the, the sun is glistening on a, on a wave or the way the the tree branch or, or the, um, the leaf is, is moving in the wind, just anything like that will stop and I'll stop and, and watch it. And I find that it, it actually kind of strokes me in a very gentle way as if, as if God saying it's okay, kind of rubbing my hand, um, patting my hair and letting me know that, it's all right to to slow down, even if I have a bunch of things that I need to do. So I will I will let that catch my eye, and not just let it catch my eye, but but explore it. Whatever it is that catches my attention, I will explore it thoroughly, like you you did with the the squirrels twitching their tails. Mm-hmm. Uh, ponder how different the leaf was not so long ago and ponder um, the life cycle of the tree or whatever comes into my mind. Usually it's like a rapid fire um, information overload. (laughs) Yeah. And especially with how uh, 
electronics and media and all this stuff is, is constantly going. It's wonderful, but there has to be moments when we unplug. You know, when we were growing up, um, there was go outside and play. But kids today, they don't get that experience of go outside and play that much. And my grandsons were over last night. And their their parents had a night where they needed to go do something else. And so we got three three of our grandsons. And we live in the country near a creek. So we went down to the creek together. And they skipped rocks. And then they wanted to know, how does this branch float? And there was a big branch. And the, the, the big branch got stuck. And they were like, why did it get stuck? And how could it have gone on? And is there a way we can fix that? Is there a way we can try that? Maybe we need to see if a smaller stick would actually help dislodge it. You know, And it was the curiosity of a child allowing them to be that curious. And then my one-year-old grandson, every time he picked up a rock, he saw his brothers you know, skipping rocks. Um, he made a noise and he'd throw the rock in and be like, ew! And then the sound of the plunk would be the end of his ew! Plunk! You know, and it was the plunk that was the rock making the splash, you know. <laughs> and hearing those soy, those sounds and, and those things that were outside becoming the toys, that it was very tactile, that it was very immersive. And that's, I think, something that we can learn from children to let ourselves experience the environment around us, like you were saying, and be very tactile, be very sensorial in that place, and that it's not only not wrong, but it is peaceful, it's engaging, it's entertaining, and it helps us to breathe again. It lets us download into our into our subconscious that little bit that helps the story come back to life. Yeah, you were talking about how um, how most writers have ADD. I think mm-hmm. most writers also keep in contact with their inner child, and they let things like like squirrels or or the sparkle of of sun on water or um, the way a leaf moves in the breeze or or that sort of thing. They let it they let it grab them in and and hold them um, like a child would and. And I think that that's an important part of story. It helps people um, re-engage with their with their inner child. And I think that's also healing for people. Um, this ability to go back to when when they're young and things were were maybe simpler. Everyone says, but I happen to to remember that childhood wasn't always simple. That there no. were really rough things in it. And going back to the simple things helps people, readers, um, deal with the rough things. Mm. Um, I do That's that actually quite profound. That going back to the simple helps you deal with the rough. And if you're if you're someone who likes football, for instance, uh, <laughs> often the football coaches will take you back to the basics in order to win a game. Because everybody's always trying to complicate things. Everybody's trying to study deeply the science of this or that, you know, or they're trying to study their competitor. But often it's going back to the basics, going back to the simple that helps us release the power of, of the magical in whatever we're doing. Power of God, the power right. of curiosity and imagination 
and, and that flow that people call the zone, you know? Well, that's, that's why people need to sleep. If you don't get any, you don't get enough sleep. Um, they say that people can actually go crazy, um, not getting enough sleep. Um, because you need that dream time to, uh, to do that, that very thing to engage with, with the simple to work through um, whatever issues are, are bugging you in life. And if you can't work through them, then, then life is not good. It's true. You lose your sense of satisfaction and you can get very depressed without sleep. One, I was watching a movie recently and it did bother me that the character, the one character said to the other, uh, how long has it been since you slept? And he said, I don't know. Well, the thing is that the movie had gone on. It looked like he hadn't slept in like three days. By that point, it's scientifically proven. You start to hallucinate. You don't remember things correctly. Um, so it really bothers me that they have this character going for three days without sleep and still being able to act uh, as if not only he's logical, but that he's on top of his game. So to me, that is... That reads like a lie in a story. Oh, it is. It is very much a lie. People get ag- aggressive, um, mm-hmm. obnoxious for no reason. And as you say, they hallucinate because your body tries to find ways around you're not sleeping. And if, if you have to hallucinate to, um, to connect with the, the issues in your life and uh, deal with them, then that's what you got to do. So we're here today to tell you people out there that are listening, sleep. Sleep. <laughs> sleep. Naps are good, and so is good rest at night. Um, we are going to be back after the break with my good friend Kathleen Freeman, and we're going to talk a little bit more about the idea of holistic creativity. And thank you so much, Kathleen, for being with us. We're going to be right back. After the break, you can find more out about Kathleen at FindingHopeInHardTimes.com and me at AngelaBreidenbach.com. Stay right where you are. There's more Lit Up right after this. Get ready to live la bella vita with Dawn Catherine. On Toginet.com, live la bella vita. If you're wanting to know all the beauty tricks of the trade and the latest fashion trends before everyone else, this is your show. If you admire celebrities' beauty and their fashion sense, this is your show. Do you love wine and want to know more about the process it takes to make wine from the vine to the bottle? This is your show. Live la bella vita. For more on the show and your host, check out our website, LaBellaVitaCosmetico.com. This is the kind of show you can sink your teeth into. If you enjoy traveling and food and family, all with an Italian flair, then you can live La Bella Vita with your host, Dawn Catherine. Wednesday nights at midnight, 11 p.m. Central, on Toginet.com. Have you heard? The pages of American Patchwork and Quilting Magazine come to life on our new weekly online radio show, American Patchwork and Quilting. Join Pat Sloan, our blogging and quilt designer host, as she talks about the latest trends, 
ideas, and inspirations. Her guests include quilt pattern designers, authors, quilt shop owners, and our editors. All quilters, just like you. Call in with your questions. Get quilting tips from industry experts. Learn about free patterns. Hear behind-the-scenes stories from our magazines, American Patchwork and Quilting, Quilt Sampler, and Quilts and More. Get the scoop on free stuff. And find out more about the best independent quilt shops in North America. To listen to a live show, tune in Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern. Just log on to allpeoplequilt.com slash radio. To hear past shows, go to iTunes and search for American Patchwork and Quilting Radio. We hope you'll join us because we know that quilting changes everything. We're glad you're back for more Lit Up. Now here's your host, Angela Breidenbach. Wow. Thanks for being with us today because this show is stunning. We're talking about how to get more emotion and depth into your story through the story details of describing animals, animal and people behavior, and including the scenery and observations about the scenery around you. But Kathleen, you've been writing this and putting this into action, but can you tell me a story that really shows a lot of emotion using some of these techniques? Um, All of my stories tend to be about deep issues. Um, My story, The Little Little of High Women, is a story about a a woman who's overcoming her grief, um, her loss of her husband, and she's thrust into a situation that that makes her life worse in a way, um, but also better in a way. Um, she's able to look at the world through a child's eyes, literally. Uh, well, not literally, <laughs> but she's yeah. able- well, is it because the littlest high woman is a child, or is she the, the littlest high woman is a child, and she picks him up, and um, he's he's got a world of problems to add to her world of problems and her her own son's world of problems, but altogether. They have um, some good times, um, some very healing times, and that's that's done through scenery, through laughter, through the different fun childlike things they do. They have a whipped cream fight. <laughs> oh, fun! Wait, wait a minute. What uh, is this a historical or is it a contemporary? No, this one's actually a contemporary. Oh, it's contemporary. Highwaymen made me think of you know highwaymen robbers historical. So I didn't realize it was a contemporary. Yeah, he's, um, he literally was um, supposed to rob her. Mm. But it, it turns out that he didn't necessarily want to, to do this. He didn't want to have a part in, in this, this terrible thing that was going on around him. And I bet there's a lot of kids out there just like that today. I'm going to say there are way more than than people would imagine. It's mm. it's a it's a rough thing. Um, it's it's not an easy story, mm-hmm. and yet people tell me um, who've read it that it's it's a very hard read, and yet um, I fill in the hard spots with those those moments of stopping and looking at leaves and and enjoying the flashy sparkles on the water mm-hmm. and the the laughter of, of spraying each other with whipped cream. Um, mm-hmm. th- 
things like that too. Um, but it's like not. It's not a hard read because the the level is hard. It's it's a hard topic that so if somebody really wants uh, a rich story, this is the littlest highwayman is something they would want to pick up, right? Absolutely. A rich in depth story that gives that has meat to it. Um, all of my stories have meat to them, except mm-hmm. my um, my Maddie science stories are are not very meaty. They're they're more. Uh, just fun character stuff to teach. Tell me about that. Uh, I was at a conference a number of years ago, and uh, Jesse Floria from from Clubhouse Magazine was was there, and he was talking about all the different things that um, Clubhouse is looking for. And one of the things he mentioned was science, and I happened to be, I happened to sit at, as at his table and um and i said to him so you're saying that you guys wanted science articles for clubhouse magazine and he says yes we do do you write science articles and i said um i've I've written some science stuff i said i actually have a a beef uh, about um about science articles in children's magazines and he says okay What's your beef? And I thought little, you scared him when he said that. <laughs> <laughs> this little voice inside me says, step down from the soapbox. Don't <laughs> go there, <laughs> right? <laughs> but no, I stepped down the soapbox and I said, these articles, they treat children like, like they're morons. And I, I said that, that kids are actually super smart. And if you tell them in the right way, they, will, they can learn anything. And if you tell them in a, in a fun and interesting and, and intriguing way, they, they can pick up the most complicated of science facts. And he said, huh, tell me more. So I <laughs> stayed on my soapbox and, and kept talking to him. And he said, okay, I want you to send me something. And I went, oh, oh. What <laughs> have I just what done? What have I myself into? <laughs> So I sent him a couple of things and he's like, no, no, no. And then I went, okay, how about if I, if I send him something like what I do for, for puppet shows, because I had been doing puppet shows for, um, for church preschool as a Sunday school teacher and for vacation Bible school for years. Mm -hmm. And so I put that kind of humor in with, with some, um, silliness and some puns and and that sort of thing and and had um it was then major science who interviewed bacteria so the characters the character was major science the yes was major science they decided (laughs) they decided they wanted to have it be a female to to get girls more involved in science which i think is a grand idea i do too um, so I started writing them and, and they said, we love this. Readers love this. Send more. Um, so we started interviewing Maddie Science and I started <laughs> interviewing all kinds of things. Um, the most recent one was, uh, rocks for Easter. <laughs> uh, Explain. 
we interviewed some different kinds of rocks. Maddie Science was in, um, like, um, she was in the Middle East mm-hmm. um, trying to find out what rock it was that uh, that covered the tomb where, where Jesus was laid. And so she interviewed some different kinds of rocks who all claimed that it must have been them <laughs> <laughs> to have had this honor because here are their virtues. And um, so she, she found out um, some different possibilities as to, to what kind of, of rock that it could have been um, that covered the tomb. Wow. So how would somebody who um, wanted to find these stories um, be able to, would they just go to clubhousemagazine.com? Um, um, they could absolutely go to clubhousemagazine.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, if if you have children out there, I, I highly recommend Clubhouse Magazine. It's loaded with with fun stories like like the science articles, um, but it also has um, beautiful things about kids who've who've conquered whatever troubles they've had in their lives to to do amazing things like um, holding. Um, Rod sales to to get water into Africa or wow or <clears throat> things that that are big big tasks for for small people. And so they're teaching kids to think beyond themselves, think of others, but then giving them practical ideas of how to do that in a in a healthy and positive way in their own town, in their own home. Absolutely. Holy cow! Yeah. That's cool. So the magazine itself is is fantastic, mm-hmm. um, and I generally have a feature in there about every three months or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, and how does somebody, if they wanted to be a writer for something like Clubhouse Magazine or any of the Focus on the Family magazines or something like that, how would they do that? Um, I recommend the conference route. Um, if you go to a writer writers conference where some someone from Focus on the Family is, um, and actually meet the person and talk to them, um, everybody who I know who writes for Clubhouse has met um, Jesse Floria or whoever um, through a conference. I know that, that you can also go onto the website and. Um, just send a query. I have this idea for um, articles about such and such, or I have this unique story about about a child I know who who conquered their um, their missing arms and, and plays baseball. Um, oh wow! I know, really cool stuff in there. So now the thing that's going to be crucial though is understanding your audience because you're writing to children. You're not writing to their parents and we only have just a couple of minutes left. So what tips would you say for understanding the audience? Um, a lot of people think when you write for children, um, you have to dumb everything down, but the fact is you don't, you do have to explain some big words and I put those in, in italics and explain them down below or, Actually, and um, explain it in the work. 
but um, kids also like jokes. They like puns. They like they like some silliness, and quite mm-hmm. frankly, that their parents do too. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. <laughs> they say that Sesame Street is just as much um, designed for parents as it is for children. If you can get the parents to flip on the 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 station and have them laugh in the background, then then the children will think it's funny too. It's the same thing as eating good food. We got my little one year old grandson to try some food last night by just going, mmm, yum, 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 yum. And then he was suddenly reaching for beets. <laughs> it's enjoying the life around you. It gives an example to the children in your lives to enjoy the life around you. We are running out of time, and I'm just heartbroken over that because this has been such a great show. But um, to find you at findinghopeinhardtimes.com, that's Kathleen Freeman. And I am Angela Breidenbach. You can find me at AngelaBreidenbach.com. And all my social media is at Ange Breidenbach. And to um, learn more about writing for or letting your kids read and understand who Maddie Science is, that's at ClubhouseMagazine.com slash extras slash Maddie, M-A-D-D-I-E. And we are going to have all of these different links in the show notes for you. So be sure to go to LitUp. Uh, on the toginet.com slash shows slash lit up to be able to find the show notes. Thank you, Kathleen, for being with us. Oh, thank you. That was so fun. (laughs) Thank you for joining us on Lit Up. Light up your literary world. Expand your imagination. Enhance your life. Lit Up will be back next week with another great conversation. Join us, won't you, right here on Lit Up. I'd rather be